Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Thomas McBride, and this is The Thomas Show. I am here with one of my good friends, my co-worker, colleague, and just an all-around legend, Mr. Phil Marks. What's going on, brother? It's awesome to be here, man. Thank you for having me on. I'm uh, super excited to have you. Absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into it. Uh, I don't know. It, it's funny. Tom, I, I met Tom in high school. He did some really cool stuff um, for some of the projects we were working on in high school or yeah. that I worked on in high school. And it, almost like a, re, a long stream of events led to me, led to us re-meeting together as coworkers at Manja a few yep. weeks ago. Um, and it's been great. And we talked about getting on the pod almost immediately, and now we're making it happen. But yeah, so you, you had a podcast. I did. Right? Do I say had or do I say have? Both, I think, qualify okay. right now. Right. Um, plug it real quick, even though it's inactive at the moment. I think inactive is a good yeah, word, not That's dead. a good word. Um, the Ramblings podcast uh, with my friend, really smart guy, uh, Nick Banach. He goes to Notre Dame. And uh, we talk about sports and pop culture. That was what we did for about 16 episodes, yeah. uh, broken up into two seasons. Uh, we did a season one in the winter of 2018. Mm-hmm. And we ended that with March Madness, mm-hmm. and then we picked it up again in the summer, and we rattled off five or six episodes, kind of chronicling the summer. And they're good episodes just to go listen to. Absolutely. Like, if you like, just want to get into podcast, go check out the Ramblings podcast. They're super easily listening, right? They are. Yeah, we try to we try to balance it with some segments and yeah. some more free free flowing conversation. If yeah. I remember how to talk, and uh, no, it's good stuff. I appreciate that. Of course, of course. I'm. Always happy to plug another podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. you, I mean, making a podcast, right? Yep. Did you listen to very many podcasts? I do. I do. Um, that's kind of what got me into it because it's such an accessible creative platform exactly. for anybody. Yeah. Anybody. Literally anybody. I mean, I didn't have any high-tech equipment. I mean, we're recording in a really nice facility right now, which is lovely. But yep. Nick and I were working off Skype, yep. some call recorder software, and Audacity. Um, but... It, it really listening to podcasts really inspired us to pick it up mm-hmm. and i'm a big uh barstool network of podcasts of was kind of my introduction to it of um i've trimmed some of that from from the herd uh i like the mixtape show a lot yeah um talk about basketball uh coley mick and uh trill withers mm-hmm. two awesome guys yeah um conversation spirals out of control you end up with three or four hour episodes but it's a good listen it's all good uh malcolm gladwell's uh Revisionist history is another mm-hmm. favorite of mine. A little bit heavier subject matter, but he kind of looks at the forgotten topics, yeah. uh, stuff that kind of the subtleties of society. He looks into those. And uh, the Joe Rogan experience, of which uh, has branched off to me discovering all these different stand-up comics and their podcasts, which is a whole other umbrella of totally. entertainment. But, uh, no, that's just important because I learn something every time I listen to Joe Rogan experience. I'm not saying I take what they say literally all the Mm -hmm. time, but it leads my imagination or brain in the right direction to go Mm -hmm. research something or look more into something. And I think that's a very valuable thing is learning something at each step. And I think think that, I think that, sorry, cut you off, but the podcast I think provides that. I've got a million ideas running through my head. That's why it calls an experience, right? It's this, you know, thing that you listen to and you form your own opinions about. And I think, you know, some people may listen to it and take it at face value. And if that works for you, that's fine. Sure. But, I mean, especially his podcast and, you know, there's lots of others, but there are some podcasts and I don't know if you've listened to them. I'm not a huge fan. There's, you know, like Serial and all those so serial if you don't know is a podcast where they I've definitely heard of it I don't know it's the it's one of the most subject it's probably matter. the most popular podcast yeah 
they dissect like some crimes or something. Is it an NPR? It it may have been bought by NPR. NPR has a whole bunch of. Other I know stuff, NPR so. has the conglomerate at the they top of the massive. podcast they are massive. charts. Yeah. And then another one I listened to um, by the New York Times, the Daily, is super okay. good. That's twenty minutes news in the news, morning. News, yeah. It's up at like five or six a.m., which That's is awesome. super quick and easy. Absolutely. You know, compared to lots of other podcasts, this one's usually like forty minutes long, right? Twenty minutes. That's like a song, basically. Hundred percent. That's a very long song. That's your walk. That's your walk to school in the morning. That's your walk to work in the morning. Absolutely. Exactly. And I'm intrigued. I I listen to like maybe one or two um, comedy podcasts, but if that grows anymore, that's going to be intrusive on you know all these other different mediums of. like comedy because you I mean you listen to comedy maybe you go to the comedy club or something and listen right. to it or you listen to an album from iTunes or yep um, I think I think it's tiered a little bit I think I think you get at the base level I think podcasts have the potential to do that but I mm-hmm. think you have the comedy specials especially with how Netflix has yeah. almost mass produced comedy over it's the past unreal. year which mass produced I think is a negative connotation I think it's excellent what Netflix is doing because sure. they're producing Hun- literally hundreds and hundreds of high quality stand up comedy. Mm-hmm. And that's fantastic. It's giving a lot of other artists who would have to try to get through the bottleneck of Showtime and HBO, yeah. their own specials. This is an awesome avenue for everybody. So I think that's there. And then I think you have albums that, that are slowly going away. Um, again, another thing podcasts mm-hmm. intrude, intrude, intrude on. But I think that. You, more dedicated fans buy albums. Mm-hmm. And then you have the top tier, which people actually go see the comics. Yeah. And I don't know if these top two matter anymore. Well. Because if you're going to have these podcasts, you're going to have all these avenues for people to hear the stand-up. I don't know what the compelling reason is to keep buying albums or keep listening or keep streaming that stuff. I mean, look at what Netflix did. They basically went to a comedian's show, right? They're all they're all regular shows with an audience. Yep. They put some cameras in places and they filmed it. Right, and they filmed the specials. Yep. And it goes to millions of people across the world and then it's owned by Netflix. Right. So they don't have to pay licensing. Right. They don't have to do anything nope. except put it on their servers and let people watch it. Exactly. It's genius. Netflix is one of the most undervalued companies still. In oh, it's opinion. unbelievable what they do. It's crazy. And, you know, if they if they start moving more and more towards original stuff, right? Because yep. I just saw a headline the other day that NBC is launching their own streaming network. ABC is probably going to. CBS already has one. That surprises me that NBC would do something independently when they have so many contracts tied in with Hulu. I think they're going to try and keep them keep those contracts alive with Hulu. And they're I mean, also Seinfeld and 30 Rock are two of the big draws for Hulu. Exactly. And then The um, the Office is on Netflix. Right. Right? That's right. NBC so is Parks and Rock. Yeah. So what they're going to do with that streaming service, maybe they bundle some live stuff. Like if I can watch Netflix or you know NBC. I know you can just get an antenna. They have friends too, right? NBC. They have friends. Friends is a $100 million deal Bro, on Netflix. Twitter changed the minds of executives. Yeah. Like, that, you don't that's think unbelievable. Your vote with on friends. Twitter? No, 100%. It's just crazy to see that it was a force. It was a literal yeah. force. Completely changed a company's mind in two days mm-hmm. because of an outrage on Twitter. That's crazy. Friends isn't worth that value. Think to, about, think especially about, to the company, I don't think it's worth that value. But It might be. A hundred million Twitter dollars it is. is maybe a, well, to Netflix even. Unbelievable. It's probably a drop in the bucket in terms of their you know, total revenue. Absolutely. But for a year? If they can make original content, they just saved a hundred million dollars for one year, and you know they can 
license it out to other people if they wanted to. Right. So, a unicorn company, for sure. Oh, it's unbelievable. Without a doubt. It reminds me of, not to keep bringing back to my podcast, but we had um, Netflix Roulette, where you're just talking about Netflix original I content. I saw it in the description. And how wild the variance is with Netflix so original, it. it's original content. So we would, we would pick a pilot from a random Netflix original show mm-hmm. and just analyze it, watch it, review yeah. it. Um, our favorites were Marco Polo and that was the kind of historical one right oh it's brutal yeah it is it's about it's marco polo it's a fictionalized marco polo and his expeditions in china Mm -hmm. just brutal just horrible 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 it's 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 porn acting watch porn acting with game of thrones aesthetic which some people argue game of thrones is already not me but some people would um i can't think of there's a horrible cartoon that was a ripoff of uh archer Mm-hmm. Just horrible. Well, you know what? You bring up porn acting, and I'll I'll bring up a picture that I just tweeted out because I got a recommendation for something on Netflix. It's um, let me let me look at the picture. I you know how Netflix kind of has the recommendation yeah, notifications. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, we suggest after porn ends three. Have you seen after porn ends I two? Have not, I, have I think not. the that first the two would be thing. required. And so someone replied. I don't my think good you could Marco, jump in mid trilogy, bro. He goes, I highly suggest it, and I say I feel like I need to see the first two before I really understand 100%. the plot of number three. Absolutely. So Netflix, if you're especially listening, especially if there's a there's a flashback sequence mixed exactly. in the first two exactly. that is important in three. If yeah, there's some character in, development that takes place in those first two. You wouldn't watch Return of the Jedi without watching A New Hope and Empire Strikes You'd be Back. Completely lost. Absolutely, I You'd would be say lost. you got to start the trilogy. Yeah, so I may be doing that later this season. Did you do a research on the plot? No, I literally just showed up when I was walking to come get you. I'm curious. I'm not going to tell you, but I'm curious. <laughs> I don't want to know. Don't spoil anything. I won't. Because if yeah, if three has some major you know maybe plot development that happens, yeah, I go back and watch one and two after I see three. Fascinating. I might just might not be worth it, which is interesting that Netflix. I don't. I wow. hope their. I hope their recommendation engine. I, I just <laughs> pulled up. The, wow. Should I watch it? Is it is it a documentary or is it fiction or is it? It's documentary. It's a documentary. Is it rated well? I don't. I don't even want to know that. Yeah, it's six stars on IMDb. That's not terrible. Um. Oh. Ooh. You do need. To watch the first two, I do. So in the IMDb description yeah. for After Porn Ends Two, released in 2017, um, After Porn Ends Two picks up where its predecessor left off. Wow! And not only turns back the clock, and then I'd, I'd spoil it. But <laughs> I, the only hint I'll say is the names not being coy. That's wild. Yeah. All right. So I guess uh, in a documentary. I guess I will watch this innovative piece of art. Innovative? I didn't get that vibe. I got you informative. You got vibe. informative. Informative. Yeah, because it's not really pushing the boundary. It's not. Of... It's not. But it's shedding light on a subject not often discussed by the mainstream no, media, even right. the alternative media. Yeah. No, it is. It is down off the the media platform in our current. The media beaten path, some would yes. say. The media beat. That's a good one. That's Thank a, you. Thank you. That's a tweet later. The media beaten path. You're pretty active on Twitter, aren't you? I am. I haven't been as much lately. I got to start getting my crazy ass non sequiturs out there just to, <laughs> to get them out there because 
my Twitter makes absolutely no sense. Well, that's why it, that's why it's on Twitter. That's why I like it. I mean, absolutely. I, I was t- I would tell my friends this. Um, I think in college, this is where I, the idea kind of hit me, is that my Twitter isn't for anyone else. It's for mm-hmm. me. Yep. Um, it's my little online diary yep. that I get to filter and I get to reveal as much as I want. So mm-hmm. I like it a lot. And a lot of the tweets wouldn't make sense to anyone but me, but mm-hmm. I like it. I like it that and way. And I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, if you go to someone's profile and you start scrolling through all the way back, a lot of that was very in the moment. I mean, you tweet something, you know, like, we'll take sports, for example, right? Sure. If you're watching, uh, you know, maybe a, a Bills game. Oh, or absolutely. Or watching the NBA and you tweet something, like, that, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense if you don't provide content. And that's what Twitter's for, though. Totally. That, 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 that's the whole point of Twitter is to enable those interactions mm-hmm. with the greater community mm-hmm. where... Drew Brees can throw an interception. 30 seconds later, you have every single take on the internet right yeah. there. It's, yeah. a, it's unbelievable. And I saw, so I, I, was, I was doing a little scrounging on Twitter. I, you know, I enjoy the tech side of Twitter as well as the, the content what side. What do you mean by that? So just, you know, the... The algorithms? The algorithms. The... I, I don't like the algorithm. I like to see everything chronological. But I did see this one thing. It was a suggestion. You know when you go to maybe a ski resort, um, they used Killington as example, right? Okay. Or if you go to, you know, Stowe up in Vermont, yep. and they have a Twitter account, right? Yeah. Stowe would have a Twitter account. They would tweet, you know, maybe the snow conditions or something. Sure. It was this proposal that if you were in a spot like that, and it recognized that you were skiing or you were going on a hike in Yosemite, it would say, hey, Yosemite or Stowe, they have a Twitter account. Follow it for a week right when you're here and then they'll unfollow it that's wild after right because like you leave that's crazy like, i don't give a shit about this yeah now. but if 100%. you were there and you got those things and it would say you know it'd be a little tag you know you know how it says um oh, man he, you know philip marks liked this tweet and yeah. four others it'd be a little tag like that and said you're following this account until sunday that's until you leave on your vacation that's scary man it is but it would be great no 100 percent, and that's that's what's scary about it because if we keep inventing these things and innovating these things, developing technology to a point where our most minute needs, mm-hmm. like our littlest concerns are taken care of, it's not gonna stop. Yeah. That's scary. We're going, we're going back to, Wally was like 11 years ago or something. That's crazy too. And we're still like throwing trash everywhere. 2008. Yeah. yeah, so all the critics that said this movie was so meaningful and such a powerful message, everyone just disregarded it. It didn't happen. That's crazy. I mean, we're not drinking those little space meals yet, but it's not far. Soylent was a thing until it wasn't. But you what know, was it? Soylent? It was this like meal replacement kind of thing. It tasted terrible, but it was really big. On like, here on thing. Earth? Yeah. Oh yeah. It was terrible. It was you know like soy and a whole bunch of these other you know things that you need for your body. To, it was terrible. That's it was for like it. you know like the the workaholics. Who wanted to hack? Interesting. Every yeah, I want to see what the market is. You know, they that. wake up yeah. at five a.m. They go to bed at like three p.m. or something yep. weird. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Damn. Which brings up another thing. You know, if I was a really, I saw this tweet the other day, and totally hijacking. If I was a really, you know, well-off entrepreneur, sure. And I wanted to like cripple my opponents. Yeah. One hundred percent, I'm telling them to wake up at five a.m. every single day. And just let them deteriorate yeah. over time because it's just done. not natural to live like that. Not at all. No, I try, like, I'll get up at, like, you know, 7, 8 a.m. Yep. Right? Because you want to keep a standard. Right? 100%. 100%. And you want to go to bed at the same time, which is hard because LeBron is in California. Right. Enjoy watching messes, up, messes up the entire viewing schedule. Absolutely. But I'll see the highlights later. Yep. Um, I don't know. It's just interesting how society kind of 
keeps us moving at a certain rate. And then when we want to go against the grain to better ourselves, it's really it's counterproductive to us in yeah, the end. Exactly. Yeah, no, our bodies have a cycle. There's a way that we're meant to operate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once you start deviating from that, it is a standard deviation curve, I think, where the further you get from mm-hmm. your desired amount of sleep, the worse off the conditions are going to be. Well, I mean, you take a look at school, like Orchard Park started at 7.20 in the morning. Yeah. Which in if That you, was crazy if how you early we had to get up, It's man. wild now that you're in college, right? I couldn't fathom. I got up no. at 6 every single morning. Yeah. And that, for your, for a teenage body, waking up at 6 a.m. is yeah. basically smoking a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. So it's terrible. Especially because you're a teenage kid. Your circadian rhythm or something is all the way, you know, clocked the other way. Like, you want to go to bed late. You want to wake up late. Yep. That's how it works. Adults, yeah. it's a little bit, you want to go to bed sooner. It regulates wake a little up. bit. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, like, teenage kids, you got a whole bunch of shit going on. 100%. Like 11 p.m. 100%. I mean... They have a basketball game at 8 o'clock. Yeah. That's in Lancaster. The game's not going to tip off till 8, 10. You're playing for an hour and a half. You're going to get home at 10, 30, 11, get homework to do, and then you're waking up at 6 to just do it all over again. Yeah, that was wild. Good luck. And we didn't think about it either. Like, no. that's crazy. I don't think any of us, like, thought – like, we just did it because it's high school. Yeah. Well, um, what, was the, what was the option? If you there wasn't. Yeah, exactly. 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 And we're, you're, you're still ambitious when you're in high school, and you still have these idealized – he means very ambitious, and we stay ambitious throughout. If you're in high school listening to this, keep the ambition high. Absolutely, but high school ambition's a different breed. It is a different breed. It's, <laughs> it's not even ambition. It's just pure competitiveness, yeah. I think. Um, Ruthless, competitive nature. In a lot of aspects, so, like subtly. I think some of, it, some of it's more harsh than others or more visible, mm-hmm. but socially is a competition. Academics yeah. are a competition, especially, yeah. at, the, especially at the top. Yep. And athletics are competition naturally, so yep. that's a lot of fr- that's a lot of subtle conflicts you're having every day. The high school's a, high school's a mess. I don't miss high school. No, I don't at all. It was it. It's such a challenging time, especially a pivotal time. Absolutely, in development, bro. Right, like yeah. You look at your friends in high school, and you know, a year after, you are exactly the same person as them. Two years after, maybe you start deviating a little bit more. Three years after, deviating a little bit, and it's different for everyone. I'm just saying, you know. In terms of, I don't the, think the generalization is too far off, though. You change remarkably over your four years as a high schooler. Definitely, that's not a generalization. I think that's a fact. Yeah, um, and it's it's a lot to deal with. I think that the social aspect's a big one too. You mentioned you mentioned having a group of friends, mm-hmm. and the evolution that goes on with each person, how that evolves the friend group. I think that's a very poignant example. And it's crazy stressful. Absolutely. I mean, like on top of your body changing all these I was going to say, ways. I don't know if you watch Big Mouth. I saw it on your Twitter account. I was going to bring it up. Yeah. It's the perfect time And to I know it's up. not, it's not middle, uh, that's a middle school, but this is the it same hormone. Like it's a little older, but whatever. Same hormones are raging in high school as our middle school, even Such more so. And you're changing as a person mentally, physically. It's a lot. And yeah. it's not as funny as Big Mouth to do it. No. Maybe I'm from the outside looking. Maybe, maybe. Funny. No, I mean, like some of the things that I would have done in high school. Oh, I'm getting to the point school. where I, I think about the the stuff, the embarrassing shit I did in high school, and I laugh at it now. Well, because you can't laugh at it. Right, then, I'm, I'm, like I'm removed from it now. <laughs> I'm removed from it now. But yeah, no, high school's an awkward time. It is a super awkward time. But I don't know. It made me somewhat of who I am. Hundred percent. I enjoy that. We would. Bit. Yeah, you wouldn't be the same person. Without high school, you yeah. mean, it's a necessary part of your development, but it's not always pleasant. Uh, like the, the, 
I guess not always pleasant's a little harsh. Up and down's better. Mm-hmm. A roller coaster is better than yeah. saying it's just a purely negative for time. Sure. For sure. I mean, because there are definitely like ups and highs. In oh, hundred percent. Like hundred percent. Mean, Some of them are more pure than even the highs you'll reach in college. And you high, were a high school athlete, adult. right? I was. And like, I was. What do you What do you gain from that? It's weird. I, there's a lot of like selfish answers to that. I think, and a lot of more materialistic answers. Like, I think there's a certain amount of prestige to being a high school athlete, regardless mm-hmm. of what you play. Um, there's the team building camaraderie aspect. There's the competitiveness that I talked mm-hmm. about where it's almost inherent, a desire to compete when you're that age. Uh, friends, friends are a big part of it. Yeah. You're doing something with someone every day, mm-hmm. you're, gonna f- you're gonna force yourself to be close to people. And doing something as grueling sometimes as working out every Yeah, absolutely, it's bonding, it's a powerful experience. Yeah. If you guys kill yourselves in practice for a week and then have that rewarding win against a better opponent or yep. you go through defeats together, that's important too. High school, high school athletics is unbelievably important. I can't recommend that mm-hmm. highly enough. Mm-hmm. You ran track. I ran cross country. Cross country. I, I know you did something with Mercer. You did something with Mercer. Mercer, Matt Mercer. I got to have him on. He'd be a great Oh, he'd be awesome, he'd be man. A great guy to have Are you on. kidding me? He's he, the best. He is one of the most prestigious athletes that I've ever been able to work out with. Yeah, right? absolutely. And he knows so much about The guy was a killer in high school. He's still a killer now at UB. He's Even more UB. so now cuz he, he he takes student athletes seriously. He yeah. actually tries to impact both his school and his conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got a MAC leadership position, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Um, so that's someone who really understands the, the total picture of being a student athlete. Yeah, uh, big, big fan of Matt Mercer. Mercer. Absolutely, ups. absolutely. So let's pivot. Let's go somewhere else. Sure. Where are we, we going? We were we were talking about um, music before this podcast. Started. We were. We were. Take me down. What you're listening to. Take me down the path of Philip Mark's oh. playlist right now. He's going to whip out the playlist. I got to look because my Apple Music is an absolute disaster music, music. Right now. Big time. Big Apple Music guy. All right. So what this recently played, I listen, I just listened to Rodeo all the way through again by Travis Scott. Great it's album. Still the best album he ever made, and he made it by accident. I'm convinced. <laughs> that was a good tweet. I remember seeing that one, too. Bro, I've been listening to Dean Martin lately. Yeah? I think I'm spending too much time at Manja, but... It sets the mood. The guy's serious. Oh, yeah. that crooner. Um, I got some Lana Del Rey on here. I must have been in a tough spot the other day. Uh, There's always a little time for Lana Del Rey. Sure. I got right. some Uzi on. I was bumping Uzi in memoriam of uh, his his pseudo-retirement. Let's talk about that for a second. Please do. Do you think he's gone forever? Or do you think he's no, gone I don't. Yeah. Maybe that might... That, he could be. I'm being very optimistic right now. Uh, I'm a huge Lil Uzi Vert fan. Huge. I am too. Huge. I really enjoy his music. And I think he's the Lil Wayne of this generation. Um, or he has the potential to, anyways. Yeah. Uh, not even from... I mean, I think musically, musically yes. Uh, you can hear Uzi's Wayne influences mm-hmm. in his music, clearly. But as a celebrity, too. I think mm-hmm. Lil Uzi Vert was like our best chance of replicating that. So it's a bummer. Um... And then I was listening to uh, two new Vampire Weekend songs today. Yeah. Um, they're my favorite band. And they, they're doing a sort of a Good Friday sort mm-hmm. of deal, good music, um, where it's two songs for six weeks, and then you get the album at the end. I love that. That's great. Uh, got a, one song's 2021, and that's a shorter song. And then what's the other song that I loved? Loved. 
out of these past few weeks. They just, just released today two wow. Vampire Weekend songs. Um, Harmony Hill, Harmony Hall, pardon me, which is a lot of Fleetwood Mac influences, mm-hmm. um, some Paul Simon, but there's always some Paul Simon and Vampire Weekend's music, but I'm just pumped they're back. It's been five years since their last album, so everyone's so if, ready. If Uzi comes back in five years, it'll be a legend. I think... So oh, bro, that'd be unbelievable. For a lot of these musical artists, right, I mean, like, they make music and they become big and music becomes their entire life. Yeah. And they decide to drop out. I wonder what kind of the mental impact that has on them in terms of instant celebrity. Well, they 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 if they go for music for all these all these years, right? And then they suddenly drop off the face of the music earth to their own willing. They wanted to. Yeah. Are they then missing an aspect of their like cuz I'm I'm not a musician. I probably will never be a musician. Right. Is that is it difficult to come back, or is it more of like a reunion when they come back? A reunion with a reunion with their love of music, their craft, right? Because you look at I think um, it would I think it would have to be. I think for good musicians it is because I think the best musicians treat music with a spiritual sense, mm-hmm. um, and that they have to be committed. Whatever whatever soul is inside them, whatever spirits inside them, that has to sync up. Yeah. With whatever creative energy they're feeling, I think that's important. I think these are these are very vague, non tangible terms, but I think they make a certain amount of sense when you think about how music's made and where where lyrics have to come from mm-hmm. and where melodies have to come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I, I don't think I don't think people force themselves back into making music very frequently because if it's not there, it's not there. Well, I, I definitely see it as something that just kind of shows up once in a while, right? And sure. That's, that's why you see all these musicians, you look in their notes app on their phone, and it's just filled. Yep. Like, chock full of lyrics, melody 100%. ideas. I mean, it's like voice memos, I know, is one of the most popular apps for musicians. Yeah. They'll hear a melody, or they'll think of a melody, they'll open up voice memos, right, on their iPhone, or, you know, whatever they're using, and they'll record a little humming melody, and they'll go back to the studio. And replicate that, and try to it, use that noise. Throw it in. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. No, and we, we have no perspective on it, like because because like you said, being a musician full time, I don't think it's something we can grasp. Yeah, like looking at the the world in that that lens, totally. and that you're trying to draw inspiration from anywhere yeah. to create this very complex, no no often often no longer than five minute mm-hmm. sequence of sounds, and put that out there and see how people react to it. That's a very small project for how complicated it is, yeah. and it has big ramifications. Totally, and I—it's definitely like you—you you, if you go down the path of music, that becomes your entire life. And I think that's that's different for a lot of other industries as well. I've always looked at, and when you search, you know, on Google, how to get huge in the gym, right? It always comes up with like the YouTube videos of like you know how um, these different actors trained to fit these yeah. superhero roles because yeah, you, know, yeah. you always want to look like a superhero. Yeah, like if when I Christian see, Bale gets ripped all of a sudden because yeah. he's gonna be Batman. Yeah, and you're like, how the hell did he do that? Well, he worked out six or seven days a week. Yeah, that's his job. Like his job was right. to get fit. He didn't have anything else that we right. had to balance, like school or right. And he's got all these world class nutritionists and people that are helping 100%. him work out. So it's interesting to take one thing and go all the way right to the max with it. Right, and that's what they do for music. So yeah, no, it's 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 a, it's a world. It's an occupation that I don't think we can fathom because no. so much more goes with it too. Yeah, uh, the celebrity of it, the responsibilities mm-hmm. of that, the the pressure of being in such a high-profile creative position, or if you choose to put yourself in a high 
visibility creative setting. Yeah. Um, no, it's a lot. I don't even think well, I we mean, can imagine it. So think about this. This is something I think about pretty often, right? I've got, I don't know how many followers on Twitter, but not as many as like Kanye. Yeah. Right? He's got millions of followers. Right. Is that going through his mind when he hits the send tweet button? Right? Like you, I mean, you and I will open up Twitter off a whim, like think of something in our head, go laugh. Like that was, that was funny as shit. I'm going to yeah. tweet that, but no one else is going to find it funny, but I don't care. Right. He has to, in my eyes, you know, think of something right that he wants to tweet or have some information that he wants to tweet and be like, is this worth sharing with, you know, millions of people? Or is he just like. I don't know, because I, I think it. We don't know Kanye West, you and I. You're right. He acts crazy. He, he maybe is a bad example. No, hundred. I'm. I'm. I think it's actually a decent example. I'm, I'm just trying to get to the bottom. It's. It's going to be hard to think about where he's coming from, because there are these these rants that are clearly not. He's not all there. Yeah. Or they're just going off on rants. I think he's just getting it out there. Yep. I think someone who's very aware of how many followers they have is the president. You're right. And I think every message is tweeted with a certain amount of gravity that's attached to the account. I think he knows. Only by himself that does he know. He doesn't have anyone else who vets his tweets, as far as I know. Exactly. He, I mean, he... If it came out that Donald, instead of a speechwriter, Trump just had a ghost writer for his tweets. None of this was him no, the whole time. That would be absolutely absurd. <laughs> and no one would believe it because he says the same things no, and that it, he tweets. And so. I think and the, the Trump we're dealing with right now is a very beaten... <laughs> all hurt man on the inside i think you think i don't think anyone's ever been less prepared for a job much less being the united states president as donald trump was so he i think he's a shell of himself right now but i re i was watching a documentary the other day um and there were clips of like campaign trump Mm -hmm. campaign trump was a completely different person than the guy that's in office he was a killer he was like he was like apprentice Donald Trump. He was like yeah. Playboy Donald Trump, where he's up there. He's calling Jeb Bush's wife ugly, or no, he's insulting her. He's calling Ted Cruz's wife ugly. Well, he he's did that just, whole thing with the reporter. Oh, right? he's crazy. It was, just, it was that was a different man. That was an arrogant man. That was a powerful New York businessman mm-hmm. who had this wild personality and just bullied everybody. And you can argue that happens to every single politician that goes on campaign. That maybe not to that extent, but they're. Faced. I would argue the difference. I, I think people are more calculated and careful when they campaign. When they usually. campaign, yeah. But there still is a little bit of a shift when then they go into office, right? I think so. You get you button everything up when yeah. you're in office. For I mean, largely. Yes. I don't know. I think people are so concerned with how the American people perceive them, especially when it comes to the presidency, that. Everything once the the moment you announce that you're a candidate for any position, you have to make sure that the skeletons in your closet are tucked away. Mm-hmm. That you know, you're going to know what to say at the right times into the right crowds. I think it's very calculated once you campaign, and that's why Trump stu- st- stood out so much. Well, it's because everyone else is running these, and Bernie Sanders to a lesser extent too, because yeah. he ran a very atypical campaign. And I was going to bring that up too. I think that though that's that's important to realize. That's why they were viewed as outsiders, regardless of their political beliefs, they were outsiders from the system, the mm-hmm. system of calculated approach to how you campaign and how get how you get people to believe in you. Yeah. They were just honest most of the time, or tried to be as honest to themselves, regardless of what they said. And trying to be honest to themselves was a huge draw for millions of people. For both guys. Yeah, yeah. 
in very different ways. Totally and, different and ways. S- some similar ways. I, 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 obviously, you don't think of Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump being very alike, but that appeal to the common man is important. Mm-hmm. Regardless of how you deliver it, whether it's angry or it's hopeful, in the case of Trump and Sanders, uh, that appeal to the majority is such a powerful, powerful idea that is very easily exploited, though. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a dangerous trend in politics. I mean, you look at, you take those two emotions, right, anger and hope. I think if you were to look at maybe some scientific scans or something of both of those emotions flowing through someone's brain, you know, the neurons are firing, whatever, those are probably the two most influential you know, emotions. Drivers. Yeah, because that, that takes us all the way back to millions of years ago or however long humans have existed, right? Anger for, you know, me caveman, me want, you know, this woman. Right, or, that's your drive. That's yeah. your motivation to do something. Or hope that, hey, maybe that bear, you know, fell off the cliff and I can go eat Right, him, the right? hope that there's going to be food the next day, the hope yeah. that you're going to reproduce with something, yep. the hope that... You're gonna you're gonna live. I mean, it's it's very primal. Um, no, it's interesting, and there's a lot of anger, and there's not a lot of hope in American politics right now. Yeah, that we're, anger, we're kind of cocked all the way to one side. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's two. And what what makes it impossible is it's two sides that couldn't oppose each other more, and they're both angry. Mm-hmm. No one's trying to play peacemaker. Mm-hmm. So we need a little peace need something man yeah. i don't know what we're doing um i think that this whole i, I don't know how political you are I, I don't i don't want to keep if droning you on Twitter, about you know. it i i've only followed you recently it's my fault i haven't i haven't been up on it but now i am i've tried to ke- i've tried to keep it down a little bit it's it's good stuff i and i'm not i don't know i'm i, I like thinking politically i'm yeah. not too well, invested politically right now but um where was i my thoughts are if you're not thinking oh. politically as an American citizen, you're doing a disservice to yourself Absolutely. and Absolutely, and that ties back into what I just remember my point I was making is that this current situation with our government and its state being shut down and what's at stake for both sides, for both parties, I think this is going to be a major chess piece for 2020 with mm-hmm. the optics of how this is resolved, of totally. who's perceived as the winner. Yeah. That's going I, to be massive. I think, and this is like purely from an opinion standpoint, if, you know, when this current shutdown, we're in the middle of a shutdown, if you're listening to this podcast many years in the future or, I don't know, in a couple of weeks and maybe the shutdown has ended by then. Only but hope. the winner of this, you know, winner, I, I put quotes around that because, you know, there is no winner. It's definitely devastated both sides and millions of people across the country. But, you know, the the supposed winner of this shutdown is going to have a huge play then in 2020 when Absolutely. that comes around. Absolutely, because they're going to be perceived as, the, as this mythical peacemaker that yep. we're looking for. Yep. Um, I think, I don't even know if peacemaker's attainable, now that I say that. I think whatever side wins is just going to bowl over the other. Yeah. If Trump bullies some of these $5 billion, then he's going to be the winner. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have to get deep and throw the 98-mile-per-hour fastball and just yeah. beat the Republicans in submission and somehow get the Democrats to cooperate. Or Pelosi's just going to keep holding out on them. I hate Nancy Pelosi, but... We don't know the answers. I wish we did. I, that's would be what, pretty that's cool what, if we knew the answers. I think that's but... what makes it so uncertain, man. I think that's why America as a, as a whole is kind of 
with their hackles raised right mm-hmm. now is no one has the answers right now. Yeah. Um, there's a John Mulaney bit where there's a horse in the hospital. One of my favorite bits. Oh, my mother cries laughing bro, it's every the best. single time it she watches it. It is the best. It really is. And he is lying in there where we think it's going to be okay eventually, but right now there's a horse yeah. in the hospital. This is going to be the car pullover link of the day. If you have not seen the John Mulaney bit, that's titled Horse in the Hospital Pullover. It's on Netflix. You can fast forward. I'll find it somewhere, maybe on YouTube, and link it. Comeback Kid, I think, is the special. Comeback Kid, yeah. It's in uh, Radio City Musical, which yep. is a grand spectacle. It was fantastic Bro, to watch. His, two, his last two specials have been awesome. Really fuego. Like, really just magnificent. Very so good. that's the car pullover link for the day. Okay, back. Good. Good. It was a good sketch, and he... There's this another bit he goes off. He'll say, you know, like, the horse has... Fired the horse catcher. No one knows why why he could do that, but <laughs> apparently he can. And in the bit when I mean he recorded this, what I think it was in 2017. So yeah. things certain. I mean, still things aren't okay with North Korea, but things were really bad with North yeah. Korea. Where a hippopotamus has a nuke pointed at the hospital, and before any of the humans can say anything, <laughs> the horse chimes up first and wants to antagonize the hippo. I think it's. In, I think that was funny. It was um, a great sketch. It's going to be like one of those like DBQ questions, but when yeah. we're all taking tests on computers, right. it's going to be like a video that you watch, right. and There's you have to analyze the video. Bro, our kids are going to be looking at memes and stuff and trying to analyze them in a historical context. That is right. insane. I saw this tweet the other day That's from a good guy. APUS history in 100 years is going to be absolutely absurd. Just surreal. These last few years have been surreal. Yeah. I don't know. I hope they don't, like, you know how, like, when they did, like, the 9-11 segment at the end of all the history courses? Yeah. And it was, like, maybe a day? Yep. If that. Yeah. I mean, like, they're going to spend much more time, I hope, on this and kind of maybe crush the other. So, like, I think we're going to run out of time in a one-year course because things keep going at such this ever It's interesting to think about. Right? I think we have, I think, I think education needs a re-examining down to individual courses, Mm -hmm. but... Uh, history is definitely a subject that needs to be re-examined, both the tellers of yeah. history and the contents that we include and what, what we prioritize. Totally. I, I mean, d- it's history, so how is this textbook from 2007 going to help me in 2019? We just lost 12 years of some very, of the most... Very, very important time in our country. Yeah. And I, I, I know that some of that counts on... Having dated textbooks relies on you being a member of the community and knowing mm-hmm. what's going on. Yeah. I get that. Yep. I mean, you're, you should know what's going on. Yeah. But it's important to know about. It's important to get refreshers on it. Mm-hmm. If you're learning APUS history, if you're in the fall of 2017 learning APUS history, you need to know about Ferguson. You need to know about Black Lives Matter. You need yeah. to know about Donald Trump being elected. You need to know about all these different movements. You need to know about legalization of gay marriage. You mm-hmm. need to know about all these pieces that have constituted the last five years of American history and Mm -hmm. it's a very messy puzzle that people desperately need to educate themselves about so they can sort it out for themselves. And I think people are going to look at that and they're going to say, well, do they need to know that as much as, you know, maybe some movements 25 years ago, 50 years ago, 200 years ago? Do I need to know in depth who Cornelius Vanderbilt is? As a a student of history and someone who, who wants to learn... Cornelius Vanderbilt's probably going to cross my eyes at some point. Yeah. I'm going to learn about him. Yeah. Um, do I need to get? A, do I need to have a we a unit for an entire week about the robber barons and stuff mm-hmm. like that? Maybe a couple of days, but I think there's stuff that's more important than learning about how Rockefeller exploited the oil system to where it changed yep. 
how we do business because those practices aren't even in effect anymore. You can't do that. We watched movies for like five days on those guys, those tycoons. 100%. Right? Like, and we're going to have to take a good hard look at these history classes and many other classes, right? You know, I know tons of students now, especially in college and high school, who are not math students. Right. They get through Algebra 1, they get through Geometry, they hit Algebra 2, and they're like, I don't really need to know this. And I'll tell you right now, I haven't used any of that. You yep. know what I mean? Like, some of that stuff just, if you're going into the engineering field, if you're going into the science, any of the, you know, higher education math classes or something like that, get that base out of the way in high school, right? But if you're going to, you know, I don't know, make music, you don't need anything more than Algebra 1. Right. Just to be a decent citizen. And I think the T in STEM needs more emphasis in high schools. Yeah. And not in the way of a token touchscreen whiteboard mm -hmm. or something like that. No, actual hands-on equipment that yep. kids can use and innovate for themselves and catch up to the time. In every themselves. single school. Absolutely. Not like we, <coughs> you and I are very, and I, I think about this a lot as well, you and I are very fortunate and lucky to come from a fantastic high school background, right? Like you went to Canisius for how long? Two years? And I went to Orchard Park for four years, and then you went to Orchard Park for those last two years. Yep. And arguably one of the best high schools in New York. Yeah, not even arguably. It's ranked top ten every single year yeah. when um, education, business, Western New York education ranks mm -hmm. them. You're right. I mean, we do have a very limited perspective. Um, my mom actually substitute teach or not substitute teaches. She part-time teaches. Mm -hmm. She teaches Spanish downtown. Mm -hmm. um, she teaches at a private school, but the same can apply to public schools, especially yeah. in Buffalo, is how systematically eroded they are mm -hmm. and have become continued. My mom works at a uh, school in the city, too. Yeah. Same exact thing. Yeah, yeah, Grade school or high school? Grade school, elementary. Yep. Gotcha. And it's gross negligence, and it, it's it's a desecration of the American dream, mm -hmm. what we do with inner-city education, mm -hmm. rural education. I think that's a big one, too. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's a disservice to the promise that we provide our citizens yep where we promise them this open pathway in life this this open destiny a chance to be a part of this manifest destiny that we still possess in the united states mm -hmm. where it's only us there's no one else at the peak with us that's yeah. that's how we treat ourselves that's how we treat our country that's the ambition that drives in a quote-unquote american spirit forward and if we're killing that spirit before it even gets a chance to breathe then we're immediately losing a lot of the efficiency and potential of all of our citizens that are affected by that. You want to talk about a wall? I mean, talk about some of the American schools. Hundred percent. Right? That's why. That's why. That's why American foreign policy bothers me so much. Yeah. Is we have so many problems within our own borders. We're not allowed, or we shouldn't feel entitled to meddle in every foreign affair that mm -hmm. remotely concerns us. We can figure these problems out that's very simplistic. I think we can reach solutions to a lot of our foreign policy endeavors. I'm not a foreign policy, you know, major. I don't know much about foreign policy, yeah. right? So I, I have, you know, little say in the game, but I mean, what you're saying, it's, it should be common knowledge. Absolutely. Part, it should right? be common knowledge. We've been in Afghanistan for 17 years. Mm -hmm. We create enemies to have excuses to go to war. Yeah. I feel like that. And that, that's, that's, that's conspiracy talk, possibly. But I, I, I really think that we, we build up these, these enemies in our head to create friction, to create tension, to keep us 
as a country and a little bit of fear mm-hmm. to go to war. War is scary. Terror is yeah. scary. And I think a lot of the times leadership in America, whether at a business level or at a, a public level, exploits that fear. And that shouldn't be the deal. What we should be doing is trying to improve ourselves as a country and be the best country that we can be. And by that, by that token, influence our neighbors and the people around us mm-hmm. by leading by example. I don't know if we need to lead by force all the time. And you take a look at, you know, spending, right, in terms of the governmental budget, right? Right. By and large, it all goes to Department of Defense, right? That's mostly where your tax dollars will go. It's a lot of it. Yeah. And take a look at, you know, if, you know, you cut that back just a touch, right? Like you take out, you know, some foreign policy things, you cut that back just a touch, and you reinvest that in elementary schools across the nation. That's going to have a two, threefold impact on your workforce in 10 Productivity, to years. competency. Mm-hmm. Dropout rates, mm-hmm. teen pregnancy rates, I feel like would drop. Early mortalities would drop. Yep. That's important. Yep. These are all things that we ignore. At the, These are very base level concepts that we ignore for the, f- the, the luxuries that we have as a superpower. Yep. And it, it's not like we're talking about alloc- like slashing the defense budget in half. No, not at all. Not That's even. the crazy part about, not to go back to Trump, because I, I really dislike talking about current political situation, but $5 billion for the wall, that's a drop in the bucket for yeah. the government. That's the craziest part about yeah. it, is we're, we're arguing over $1.10 for the government. But and, $5 but it's, billion it's, dollars to me as an individual sounds like a It's staggering. Of money. It's staggering. It's unbelievable. Ostasio Cortez, she's made the mm-hmm. news a lot lately. She wants $65 billion for, no, I take that back. I don't want to bring her into it because I, I don't know. I don't have all of her facts right. All I know is that per year for an idea of universal income, mm-hmm. it would cost us anywhere between $150 and $300 billion a year. Mm-hmm. $5 billion is nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So it's tough. I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy the amount of government are the amount of money our government's in control of and how little a say we have in it. It's tough. It's super tough. And it's, it's especially difficult when you are an American citizen who's got a million other things to focus on, right? Absolutely. You've got a job at Absolutely. a bank. You've got a job at a school. You've got a job working in the restaurant. Can you devote so much time? Because you should. You should be able to devote so much time and, you know, decide, you know, which candidate you're going to endorse because ultimately that was the that was the goal of the representative system is you choose someone who you feel best represents you. Absolutely. And they go to Washington, D.C. or they and go try to, to represent your and interests. And they try to represent your interests. Right. Exactly. So I'm looking at it here. Um, it looks like. The Congressional Budget Office reported spending of about $590 billion for defense. Staggering. Staggering. Yeah. That's crazy. Why? What do we need it for? Who's going to attack us? Who? Doesn't look (laughs) like too many people, right? I mean, other people would lead you to believe that everyone wants to attack us. I feel like, like I said earlier, like we could probably reach a solution without a lot of foreign policies. I think that's what a lot of presidents think, too. And then they get in the office and they get taken aside and it's like yeah. this is the real operation mm-hmm. this is what's going on yeah. this is why we can't pull out of afghanistan yep. this is why we can't abandon syria this is why we still have to fight yeah like i know you said all that stuff in your campaign right here are the facts about our current government situation and the shithole that we're in right 
what so, you inherited, which is this. which is what makes Trump's presidency so frustrating. Is the man had control of the Repu- of the Senate and the House mm-hmm. and couldn't do anything, mm-hmm. and now he's trying to make action. Now he's mm-hmm. trying to prove something. I think that's a test. That, that, that's an example of poor leadership. Yeah, um, and one of his most glaring political missteps he's made. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's just per- pure fact- factual, you know, commentary, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. I, you. I try and stray away from politics as much as possible because people get enough of it. Sure. In one in one aspect. That's often right? very low quality, which yes. is which 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 worsens the perception of even discussing it. Exactly. But I think that this conversation, especially, and I I love enjoying, and having, um, like the just the factual based, and you know people will say, oh, that's fake news. That's not that's not fact, but. It is. Yeah, no, right? it really is. Like there are, I'd like to, I like to work on the facts and then, you know, maybe move off of that if I can or if I need sure. to, right? Because that's, if we root things in the truth and we honor honesty and ethics and, you know, you know, characteristics of both of those virtues, right? We can, um, we can have an intelligent conversation. And I think that's what's missing from a lot of the dialogue now. Is There's the no inter- discourse. Exactly. It's arguments, fighting, it's conflict. It's, it, it's, it drives ad spending for one. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's so much easier for Tapper on CNN to take a political position and run with it mm-hmm. than it is to actually have a a Republican that's it's in control that, that that's under control and that can actually logically debate what's yeah. going on. I think it's easier to prop up somewhat prop up a crazy person because that's what people laugh Fox to. News is the g- most guilty of this is having these crazy liberals on mm-hmm. oftentimes they're, I mean sometimes they're at, they seem like actors even mm-hmm. or they're just not genuine they're not genuine candidates that can discuss the issues and have a conversation about yeah. what's going on it's all about for further polarizing each base and that is a disservice to americans absolutely in my opinion absolutely right absolutely if you have a whole host of unreliable narrators telling you the story then what idea are you going to believe mm-hmm. and that the idea of an unreliable narrator is is to urge the reader to form their own opinions mm-hmm. and to decide what's going on in the story for themselves yeah but if everything's bad if all the information's misleading deliberately misleading then how can we possibly form the correct opinion? Yeah, it's hard. That was good. That was that was really that was that was some good, good factual based political conversation. Absolutely. Who do you think is going to win the NBA championship? You like State. that? That was such a good pivot. It the was Golden just, State it was Warriors, and it's not close, man. Really? Oh, it's this. Have you watched them with yeah. Demarcus? Yeah. Well, how many games have they played with him? Two. 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 Blocks. And they were just dominant. Yeah. He's a cheat code. Um, <laughs> he makes their defense a lot better than I thought. He's he, so they they park him in the paint. Yeah, and he's just a massive deterrent for off the ball screens, for cutters, for for post ups, which yeah. is a lot of the weakness that they the Warriors would have, when, mm-hmm. especially when they went small. You can you can cut through on Durant and Iguodala. Yeah, you can post up Iguodala especially. Now you have this this bruising seven foot two hundred seventy pound seventy two hundred seventy pound man in the middle, bumping people off screens, anchoring the defense, and that's what they were missing. And it lets Draymond run around on the perimeter, which yep. he's really good at. Yeah, he's an outstanding perimeter defender. So I think it unlocks their defense, and then the offense is just silly. It, yeah, I mean it's just the team is a dynasty. Dynasty right? is a good way to put it. There is, you know, if, I'm I'm going to be very interested to see if any. 
of them decide to split off at any time, bless you. Thank you. If you know any of them split off at any point, right? Like Steph Curry may never leave the Golden State. Curry's Warriors never leaving because his name is in blaze there. But if Draymond were to go somewhere else, I can't see Draymond going anywhere else. You can't see him going anywhere else. Durant, I can. Yeah, I think Durant's out of there. Durant, Durant moves like not after good. this year. Yeah. I think he's out. So I don't know where he's going to go, but I think he's out. He would not go. He would not dare go back to OKC. Never. But he never. Would, he might come to the East, which would be nice. New York. Everyone says says New York. What's Do you think the they're going to keep Porzingis out? For yeah. A while? Yeah. I, I mean, they're tanking the season anyways at this point. The Knicks are stupid. They might bring him back, which would be horrible. I think for both his health and their record. Yeah. I think you need to try to bottom out because Knicks have never had their pick. Yeah. They always trade their picks. So this is the year they can finally bottom out. Give that Zion dice a roll. Mm-hmm. The East is a joke. I it's there's not a whole lot to watch. The Celtics, there's some tremendous individual players in the East. Yes, the teams there's, team as a whole. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the top of the East, Giannis is having a legitimate MVP yeah. season. Joel Embiid is having a legitimate MVP season. I love watching. And it's Joel driving Embiid me work. crazy that people aren't talking about him as an MVP candidate. Yeah. He has been unbelievable for the yep. Philadelphia 76ers. Kyrie is having an awesome year. Awesome mm-hmm. year. Um, he's playing his best defense of his life, too, which is unbelievable. Even as you go down the standings a little bit, Kemba has been unbelievable this mm-hmm. year. Kemba's been awesome. Uh, Victor Oladipo, I feel horrible about his injury because that was a guy who was really... I was just on wearing someone in jersey of Oladipo. That's really? Crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's an all-star right there that yep. you lose from the East, and it already wasn't a loaded all-star roster to begin right. with. Uh, so it's crazy. But the team, the team quality in the West is unbelievable. Yeah. Those spots, the three through eight slots change, I feel like, every single week because mm-hmm. it's so competitive. And that's great. It's interesting that we saw this migration of players to the West because I always thought basketball to be like a New York sport, right? Mm-hmm. It was always um, kind of a, that East Coast corridor, right? Especially, you know, at LeBron down in Florida, right? College basketball helps that, too, yeah. a lot because I think – and where we live, I think, is big too. We live in the yeah, east, so we get all right. the, we get a lot of. It's very, we're dominated by New York media and Boston mm-hmm. media. That's how we get a lot of our information streamed You're to right. us. So I think we pay special attention to East Coast sports, but especially because college basketball is a lot bigger in the East, and the NBA teams are close to us. We get we watch their games before we go to bed when mm-hmm. we were younger. We mm-hmm. could do that because the games come on at seven. Yeah, stuff like that. I don't know. It, it's an interesting point, though. You're right. I mean, we have to stay up till 10 to watch LeBron now. It's it's really difficult to do. And the East games are so bad on national TV yeah. now because there's maybe four good teams in the East, maybe. Yeah, if the 76ers are playing, I'll watch that. If the right? Sixers are playing, I'll watch them. I'm a Celtics fan, so I watch the Celtics watch a lot. The Celtics, yeah. uh, I watch the Raptors a lot, especially if mm-hmm. Kawhi's playing. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. And the Bucks. But It's an interesting team this year. They're unbelievable. Yeah. I like that. Kawhi was so healthy. I think yeah. he was so healthy all along. I think he just wanted to get out of San Antonio. I don't know why. Well, and so there was a trade the other day that I was watching. Um, was it Carmelo Anthony? Yeah, Carmelo yeah. is out of Houston. Yeah. But the the Bulls are going to cut him right away. They're going to cut him. He's not playing. Right. Yeah. Yep. I mean, the Bulls have been irrelevant for... It's brutal. There's yeah. no excuse for it, too. Same with the Knicks. Yep. You have owners almost deliberately sabotaging their organizations. And these pinnacle organizations, right? These were teams that Hallmark were... Hallmark teams. These are these are flagship the name, teams for the, the NBA. The name holds so much weight. Absolutely. And it's just nothing. And it was bad for a while because the Lakers were in that mix, too. Mm-hmm. I think that the flagship franchises of the NBA, at least historically, it's Boston, it's New York, it's Chicago, yep. Philadelphia, mm-hmm. Los Angeles, 
and I, you can throw Golden State in there because Golden State's been a historic Those franchise. Those are the East Coast team. team right there. Yeah, absolutely. Detroit even has an argument because yeah. the legacy Detroit has. Those teams should always be good. There's no yeah. excuse for those teams to not be good. Um, I don't know. It's just poor leadership, poor ownership. Mm-hmm. Poor ownership is, I think, a big part of it. And um, I, I think that's most evident in Chicago, New York. Yeah. And I think you're starting to see the positive effects of Magic Johnson um, in L.A. Mm-hmm. with his ownership. And it's a shame because I really – I love the league as a whole. I think they do a lot of great player development kind of things. and Player development on the court or off the court? Off the court. Absolutely. It, they're, the, they're unparalleled. Yeah. As a, as a team. And as, I think, as, an, org- as an organization. I think they, they look at ticket sales and they look at, you know, how happy owners and players are. And they do a lot to try and. I think it's because they have the best commissioner, too. Yeah. Adam Silver's a genius. He is a genius. I mean, look, look at the other commissioner. Roger Goodell? All of them. All of them are clowns. Yeah. Gary Batman's a clown. NHL players are so uncharismatic. You're I don't right. know if that's his fault. Uh, maybe they're just jocks from Canada. And we mostly. have a really good in Buffalo. I know. I think the Sabres do a, a much better job of community That's all we have. Them. We're crazy sports fans to begin yeah. with. Yeah, we yeah. latch on to our two teams, and we, we can't let them go because that's all we have. Yeah. That's important, too. But, yeah, there's no reason the NHL can't grow. You're right. And it can't right now. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Well, it grew to Vegas, and they seem to be doing awfully well. Which is great. So I think th- th- they need more leaves of faith like that. I don't know mm-hmm. where they're going to get them. Uh, I think a team back in Quebec would be huge. Do they, they have another team coming to Seattle, Seattle. which is genius. Yeah. NBA is going to start expanding soon, too. I feel it. How many teams do they have? 32 right now? They have 30. 30. So it has to be even. Yeah. So I can see them doing... You have to say Buffalo just because. I wish, man. They're so <laughs> down. They're so down. They're <laughs> far on the list. Seattle's a lock. That's gonna be the first team they yeah. ever bring back. I think you see some like gritty basketball cities get a team. Cincinnati, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, yeah. Louisville. Yeah. I think you, you look at those teams. Probably um, couldn't put another team in Texas. No, but, unless you, unless Austin could support yeah, a team. Yeah, I was gonna say Austin, but I mean there is there is already the Spurs. Right. I was going to say, they and, take up and, the whole West Texas. And the Rockets, right? Yep. Um, Baltimore. I think you can see Baltimore get a team. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, if you're big enough to support an NFL team. Yeah, 100%. Right. 100%. Which Buffalo is, but. That's a, that's a rarity. Hockey, so. Again, I think we're a rare small market yeah. that you can dependably rely on financially. Mm-hmm. I, we're like that as, a, as, a, as an NFL team. I think Green Bay is like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, because I mean, they they'll go out in the cold and green. Oh, Bay, they're right? crazy! They're just, you know, Minneapolis. Yeah, it's bigger than us, but sort of the same gist. So yeah, I think if you if you can find the interest, for it, that's why I think Buffalo as NBA city would never work. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome idea, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would like it. Yeah. But the consistent fan interest for basketball, I don't think that's here in Buffalo. And it's a long season. Right? It is. It it's is a long season to hold fans' attention. It really is. Uh, the NBA does such a good job with that, going back to your yeah. point that you were making. The NBA sees a 12-year cycle because mm-hmm. the offseason is just as entertaining as the, the regular season. Uh, this offseason alone is, was crazy. It was unbelievable. It was probably one of the, one of the better ones. Dude, but, so, but like truly important basketball stuff happens every offseason, like LeBron going to L.A. That's yeah. obviously huge. And then the crazy stuff happens during the offseason, too. Like DeAndre Jordan was literally held hostage in his house. Yeah. Like no one—that's all Twitter talked about. Like it, it was broke. great on Twitter. Oh, it was the it was best. Great. Man. It, 
every emoji known to man. It was the emoji race uh, 2014 <laughs> or 15, whatever summer that was. It's crazy. No, but the NBA is in such a good job of creating these personalities. Mm-hmm. They're awesome personalities to begin with, too. Like, mm-hmm. these guys are funny and exciting and unpredictable. You, Joel Embiid was just on Hot Ones. Uh, probably not just on Hot Ones, but he I was, saw that one, too. It was fantastic. Yeah, no, it he's was awesome. so good. He's awesome. It, they're, they're very, like, cross-marketable. They yeah. do a lot of different things. Their endorsements are re- consistent mm. and engaging and so lucrative. They get so much money for that. Yeah. And they've just done a good job with that. A lot of their players have avoided crime. A lot of their players mm-hmm. have avoided suspension. For the most part, we won't. Largely. Yeah. I can't think of a very prominent NBA star right now that's like has a dirty. Yeah, not pass. right now. Right now, a few years ago. I know, but <laughs> everyone's clean cut right now. I yeah. mean, Steph Curry, model family. Yeah. LeBron James, model person and family. He opened a school. Right. Unbelievable. Like, He's. I was talking to my mom about this the other day because we were talking about celebrities mm-hmm. and how remarkable LeBron James's career is from the pressure that was put on him at 16 or 17. He's never had an affair to our knowledge. He's never been arrested to our knowledge. No problems with substance. I think he's addicted to wine right now. Yeah. Right now, but that's it. Good for him. Um, he he deserves it's it. Good for your heart. But he's been such a model celebrity. He's been such a model person. I think that's so incredibly rare. Yeah. It's good for the sport. One person can do. Oh, that. it's amazing. And him when is everyone the, starts to do it. Him is the face of the fr- as the face of the league. Mm-hmm. It rivals Jordan. It totally. really does with how far the how forward they've moved the sport, how personally impactful they've been. It's unbelievable. Well, and I don't know if you've ever talked to anyone who's met Michael Jordan off the court. Oh, he's... He's an asshole. He's crazy. Yeah. Because he's a psychopath competitively. Yeah. Psychopath. And that's what made him so great. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, that I think that was one of the main drivers of his, of his success, how he just vanquished every single opponent he faced. Yeah. It's a crazy idea that... When you were playing Michael Jordan, you weren't going to win. When mm-hmm. it mattered, you weren't going to win. He told that to your face. That's 6-0, man. That's what's going to carry that greatest of all time legacy yeah. forward. LeBron's damn near 500 in the finals. Mm-hmm. It's incredible that he makes it every single year. That for the past decade, and you counted on LeBron. And influence a team to make it every single year. Oh, it's unbelievable. 6-0. Yeah. You weren't going to beat him on the biggest stage. That's crazy. That's why he's that. the greatest, man. Yeah. That's why he's the greatest. Yep. I don't know where you stand on that. but No, I, I fully am a Jordan supporter because, it, I mean, when you think about legacy, right, it's hard to think in the now. Like, I mean, maybe in 25 years we'll look at LeBron because maybe he'll do something next year or this year or the year after, right, yeah. that totally changes our opinions. Maybe, he ch- you know, changes a rule in the league that yeah, has this sure. massive effect, right? And then we look at him sure. and it's like, oh, yeah, he was the GOAT. Yep. But it's definitely hard to, like, think about it now. It's definitely going to be something that we're going to revisit in the future. And I think trying to have the conversation now is a misstep because you're going to put yourself in the wrong mindset going forward. Absolutely. It's an interesting sport. Sports are oh, interesting. It's, it's I fascinating. Love, I love sports. I think, I, you know, whenever you're, you know, off in a new city, right, if you're going away to college, if you're going, you know, on a trip and you see, you know, hey, the Buffalo Sabres are playing, hey, the Buffalo Bills are playing, you're like, all right. There's, right. There's a little piece of me that I get to watch and embellish. and Absolutely. Know. It's an identity for people. Yeah. Whether that's good or bad, I think it's primal. I think mm-hmm. it's inherent. The need to witness competition to feel mm-hmm. like you're a part of competition even though you're not a part of it it's a root it's it's it's, a, it's something to cheer for it's something mm-hmm. to root for um football is a simulation of war yeah when you think about it 
Uh, you, you hear coaches talk about that all the time. It's, yeah. it's war simulated. It's very primal. It brings out a lot of primal instincts in people. Mm-hmm. Whether that surfaces as getting hammered before a game or buying a jersey or mm-hmm. painting your face. It's something to belong to. It's a very, it's a very powerful thing to rally to. And people ask why sports has such a big impact on culture, why it is as it is, why it brings in so much money, why why it spends so much money, why it's such a big enterprise. Because I think that's universal. I think sports yeah. are universal. It's a very powerful instinct to tap into when everybody identifies with some aspect of your product. 100%. And I was just That's why football to... or f- soccer. I has... was just going to bring that up. Yeah. I was talking about that. That That is the podcast. That is the episode that goes out this week. I talk with my good friend Ben Wagner who plays soccer. Yeah. And we were talking about viewership. Uh-huh. Right, like a random game in, you know, Europe between yeah. two soccer club football powerhouses, right? Brings in millions of viewers more than All we across can even the world. fathom. All right? across the world. For a regular match. Yep. We look at the Super Bowl as the holy grail. A regular match, Super Bowl doesn't even hold a candle. Right. Right? It's just unbelievable. Right. You get you get a pro I don't even know what the ratings are for a prime EPL game. If you got like 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 2012 when both Chelsea and Man U were humming, mm-hmm. like, those ratings have been insane. Yeah, any Champions League match is going to be insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's truly a worldwide sport, and that's why I think basketball is so powerful. It's basketball's ha- not hot in its heels, but it's trending that way. It's, it's becoming such a global. It's becoming sport. a global sport, and I think baseball has been trending the same way too. Baseball is huge Absolutely. in Japan, but baseball has always had a, had trouble tying it all together. Mm-hmm. It's very disconnected globally. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as like the Champions League. That's what connects international soccer, yeah. both with the World Cup and the Champions League, where you get the best teams, best private teams in the world, and you play each other. That's it's huge. That mm-hmm. ties the entire global aspect together. Olympic baseball is not like that. The World Baseball Championship isn't like that. Yeah. The MLB doesn't embrace other the MLB leagues needs and cultures. To, the MLB needs to take a couple games like the NFL has done, like the NBA has done, play them in Tokyo, play them in right. these different markets and expose those viewers the, to the game. The MLB doesn't try to influence the the global nature of baseball. Mm-hmm. It tries to steal from it. They, it's never the MLB trying to give game give other markets games. It's mm-hmm. never them trying to celebrate other cultures like that. It's it's MLB teams buying Cuban players. Yeah. It's MLB teams buying Japanese players. It's them extracting from these these farm systems they view it. And like. they say it's America's pastime, right? Right. We view football that would be on a we, way we more majestic totally, stick out. We would have totally thought football would totally be that sport that would stay in America forever. And then they started playing the games in Britain, yep. and it was like, wow. I mean, Bill tried it with Canada. Yeah. How horrible that was. Yeah. It was such a failure. Yep. Um, no, it's not a game that translates. No. Mexico City, they get a little attention there. They get a little love there. Yeah. But it's that's a very American thing. Totally. Very American. Yeah. The values that we assign to it, the the way we behave as fans in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, you see it come up with politics all the time. The NFL has no place in politics, but mm-hmm. that's been a, such a hot button issue with them in regards to how the players interact with their political environment for the past two years now. Mm-hmm. It's been a big deal. Yeah. Um, I don't know. NFL is always in our limelight. As much as we pure, like, I think a lot of NBA fans, if you polled all the fans from different leagues, what leagues are favorite, NBA fans, I think, are the, the happiest. They're the purest. They yeah. have the best time. Yep. But there are more NFL fans. There are 
are just more and they're more passionate and they're more invested and so you get angrier and angrier and and poorer poorer fans well and it's this concentration i think as well with the nfl season right it's such a short time compared to many other sports that they concentrate all of this you know power and wealth into those 16 weeks and then culminating in the super bowl right at the end yep compared to nba or baseball is an eternity right right they play 162 games it's the entire summer Yeah. yeah i mean it's the sport of the dog days of summer um and they they have to occupy that time when there's no other sports going on. It's yeah. crazy, and they're playing these three game series where you know, you don't know how many people are going to come out to the games. You're you're losing a lot of money a lot of time because there's no salary cap. So you're trying to balance all of your expenses and revenue. It's tough. Yeah, it's very hard for baseball teams to consistently be successful and to consistently capture attention, uh, especially when they're bad. I, I, my dad's a New York Mets fan, mm-hmm. and more often than not, they're atrocious. And they can't keep attention, especially when they're playing the same city as the Yankees. Like, it's it's very easy to discount baseball teams. You yeah. just put it in the back of your head. Because a lot of times it is in the background of a lot of what's going on. Well, you know, one thing that I'm very certain keeps people's attention is yourself, Phil. I appreciate I'm it. I'm very glad to have you on the podcast. I'm happy to be on, man. We're going to have you awesome. back ASAP. Please You're on do. the list. Please do. We're going to get you back. We're going to dive into some of these topics a little bit more. I'm going to ask some people what they thought, right? Sounds good. You're going to ask some of your friends what they thought. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to get it all back. We're going to fine-tune, and it's going to be a phenomenal second second coming. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it, man. Thank you for having me. Do you have anything to plug? And you plug the podcast. Plug. It's like the hot ones. Give me your, give me your, the 30 seconds. Look at this camera. Look at that camera. This microphone, that microphone. Gotcha. Whatever you got going on. Yeah. Um, well, hopefully I'll be back soon so I can provide some more updates on what I'm doing. But uh, my good friend Sam Hor and I were going to unveil a uh, NFL draft website where mm-hmm. we're going to talk about free agency in the draft leading up to next season. Um I'm going to write for them. We got a bunch of different writers and analysts coming on for it. Sam does some awesome work. Um, he's a scout in training. Yeah. And he does a lot of great stuff. So if you want to find out what the Bills are going to do this offseason, check us out in a little bit. I'll be back soon with uh, a website name where you can find us at. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter if you want to. Some more non sequiturs. Uh, Phil underscore Marks 22, which is a horrible handle. Just horribly long. But it doesn't matter. The 2013 pickings are tough. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, no, thank you for having me, man. It's been awesome. Thank you. Pleasure. All right, peace.